I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, Brent, thank you. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app. It's BetMGM Sports. It has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odd specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the Strip. Bring that state-issued ID, and you're ready to bet within minutes. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology, fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Got to be 21 years or older. Call 1-800-522-47 if you have a gambling problem. Okay, first full hour here on the Lombardi line. A lot of college hoops, NBA as well. We'll get back to it. We've got Thomas Gable. I think we've got Will. We haven't heard from Will. We'll get Will up here any t- here as well, Michael. Um, but we transition a little bit. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. We transition here into some NFL talk. Of course, today is, I believe it's day four of the combine, right, Michael? Where the yeah. on-field stuff, this is the last day, cornerbacks, special teamers, and kickers on the field today. Um, I'll ask you about that in a second, so we'll put it over here and bookmark it. Come back to Cooper. Amari Cooper. Now, he hasn't officially been released. I'll just ask you this way. Why are the Cowboys going to move on from Amari Cooper? Well, he's got $60 million left. Uh, a huge cap number. They can get away with it and really save themselves, not only save themselves cash, save themselves cap. And I, and I think in talking to people who are at the combine, and I've asked a lot of uh, teams, you know, who's available for trades and what's going on, and every guy that's available for trade is a bad contract. Hmm. I mean, that's just fact. I mean, you know, everybody that's available for trade is 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 because his contract is bad. Robbie Anderson, for example, with the Panthers. I mean, bad contract. They're trying to get away from it. There's a lot of money due to it. What are they going to do with him? How that handles that? You know, and it's easier for players like Cooper. Say I'm interested in Cooper. You know, I don't want to take the $60 million on. I'm not going to give you a draft pick to absorb $60 million, $20 million a year for three years. That messes up my team. Even if I were, say, Jacksonville and I need a – and I need a, a and I need another receiver to go along with with their players. Uh, you know that messes up my cap. It takes away. Why would I trade a draft pick for a bad cap? So I think that's the situation going on. Whereas for Cooper, if he gets released, now he's got to go out and get his own contract and becomes it, it, it starts all over. He doesn't have to take less money from another team because any no team that's going to trade for Cooper is going to take that contract. So I think that's what what's holding up a lot of this. And he's not going to get waived until 
the, the, new, the new league year starts, which is, I think is the 15th of March. So that's when he'll go on the waiver wire. He's a vested veteran. His contract will immediately terminate, and then he become a free agent. So the Cowboys have put it out there. They took an advertisement out. They know everybody knows he's available, but everybody's peaked at that contract, and nobody wants it. Yeah, to your point, I think they can start – teams can start contacting free agents on the 14th and then officially opens up on the 15th. And, Michael, this decision with Cooper could also impact the negotiations with – they're in a weird spot, the Dallas Cowboys. Randy Gregory – right? Uh, potentially yep. bringing back Cedric Wilson. Uh, are they going to franchise tag the tight end Dalton Schultz? There's a lot of questions here with the Cowboys. It would make sense to franchise Schultz because I don't think the tight end franchise is that. I mean, obviously with Kittle and some of these guys going in, it's bumped up the number. But, you know, when you look at it, I mean, he's been one of their most reliable players, Dalton Schultz. And you would think they could get a deal done with him, but they got to clear some cap room just to get all these free agents under contract. It's going to be a busy offseason for the Cowboys. It's going to be a really busy. Now, do they take the $20 million in base salary that's guaranteed uh, for Dak Prescott? Do they transition that into a, uh, a roster to lower his cap number? Right now his cap number is at $34.4 million. Demarcus Lawrence cap number is at $27 million. Cooper's at $22 million. We know they're going to get rid of that. Zach Martin's at $20 million. So when you have these high cap numbers, I think the real issue is Zeke. Zeke's at, Zeke's at $18.2 million. He's got $12.4 million guaranteed this year. What are you going to do with him? That's a debacle. And then the other one is, is Tyrod Smith. He's at $13.5. You, you know he's not going to play the whole year. Now, Anthony Brown's at $6.5 million. That's easy. If you want to cut Anthony Brown, you know, you let him go. You pick up six point, You pick up $5 million for the cap room. Yeah, you mentioned Zeke. We knew it was a disaster at the time. It continues to loom over. They're going to try to get away from Amari's. You know, they, played him, they paid him like an elite receiver. Also, Michael Gallup, free agent. I think they want to bring back Gallup. He's recovering from the ACL surgery as well. Which makes it problematic, right? So I asked the team in the league uh, yesterday uh, when I was talking to some teams, I said, what's the price for Garoppolo? And, and I was told that, you know, there is no price because the shoulder makes it very difficult to really determine a price because he is going under shoulder surgery. So it's hard to really put a value on Garoppolo. I know Amal has put a value on Garoppolo immediately, but other than Amal, uh, everybody else is having a harder time putting a value on Garoppolo. So until they can get some clarity on the injury, where at least you could see what's been done and they can send out, you know, once they've engaged a team that they feel like they're interested, they'll share the medical with that team. But until then, I don't see anything happening there. Yeah, I think Amal, if he was going after Garoppolo or shopping for him, he'd bring a group on with him. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, no. Although I, you know, I mean, Amal, you know, he's he's a busy guy. He's got he's got a handle Garoppolo. He's got the Troy Aikman contract, which is driving him crazy. Yeah. He's got Mel Tucker's contract driving. I mean, there's a lot of things bothering my man Amal. Well, that's why I always ask, like, what what's what's the rumination? Like, what are you burning on right now? Because you are an insane human being. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I love you, Amal. <laughs> he, he gets he, we like it when people are dogmatic about their opinions. Now. The the cow that's an interesting spot. The Cowboys are in, in in an interesting spot, and we felt like those two contracts, you know, Amari and of course Zeke would eventually come back. I mean, the Zeke contract was he knew he thought he had a championship team that year. He was hanging out in Cabo Wabo. They paid him, and now they're sitting with the the results of it. Look, he he he. They paid him like a weapon. It's one thing to pay Amar, Alvin Kamara. 
you know, and Camaro missed some games last year, but typically he's there. McCaffrey's contract's problematic for the Panthers because he's missed two years in a row now. Mm-hmm. So when you play a when you pay a running back, you have to pay him as a weapon. He just can't be the guy you give the ball to. And they've never been able to expand Elliott's role beyond that. Elliott should be a bigger factor in the passing game. But to me, as he puts more miles on that body, he's become less effective. I, I think the guys, I mean, they've got to sign. Watkins played really well for them inside. Randy Gregory, to me, has got to be of the most importance. Now, you're concerned about his off-the-field behavior because he's been suspended so much. But you've got to get him. And Curse, the safety who they picked up off the street last year, has played really well. And he came in and played really well. Van Der Esch, I would think that if, unless it got too expensive, they could probably find somebody else. But there's a lot of GM stuff that's going to happen in Dallas, and all that's going to have to play out. And how McCarthy handles this thing is going to be very difficult. Remember, when we watched him play against San Francisco, DJ Jones, who's a free agent, he'll be signed. You know, when teams can start talking the 14th, DJ will be signed the 15th by somebody unless San Francisco franchises him. Uh, you know, Connor Williams was horrible inside at left guard. I mean, he got beat almost all the time. And so your left tackle, Smith, is older with back problems. He's going to be entering his, his 12th season. You know, all, all due respect to him. I mean, it's hard to play offensive line for an extended period of time with a bad back. So you got that issue on the left side of the line. I mean, this is going to require a lot of maneuvering. Now, Jerry's got cash to make all these things happen, you know, he can make it all happen fairly well, but it's going to be a lot of general managing that goes into this, and they've got to be able to count on some young players. You know, you mentioned paying Zeke like a weapon. Can you imagine the looks Tony Pollard must give him during practice? Like, dude, he, Tony Pollard's the weapon out of the backfield. He's 24 no years doubt. old. <laughs> and you drafted him in the fourth round. You got him in the fourth and round. he's cheap. He's cheap. Yeah, and he's really cheap. You paid him as a fourth rounder. I mean, that's called that's called team building. That's called how you build a team around the cap. But when you go and give Zeke all the money and then you're not getting the production back, you know, I've said this oftentimes, is when you're giving out contracts, you are basically like a banker. You're extending a loan. And the collateral for the loan is the value of the player. When that value of the player doesn't match the loan, like in Zeke's case, you've you got to recall the loan. You, got, you know, you, get, you give Robbie Anderson all this money and he doesn't play to the level. And you could say, well, you know, a lot of the problems with, with, the, with the Panthers were their offensive line, no doubt. Their quarterback, no doubt. I get all that, right? But, you know, he's going to make $10 million. He's got a $2.8 million roster bonus, you know. That's a fairly significant – and eight of it's, – it's not a r- ridiculous contract. It's a, it's a, it's a 16-point million cap number. But you're not getting your value back. I mean, McCaffrey only makes 8.4 for them. But you're paying – you know, you've got D.J. Moore at $11 million. Yep. D.J. Moore's a much better player at 11-1 than Robbie Anderson is at basically 12 12-8. Comes down to accounting. Cowboys hold the 24th overall selection. So if they do part ways with Lawrence or Gregory, the good news is there's a ton of edges in this draft. I I see most mocks having the Cowboys take an edge. You never know what the Cowboys. They may trade up and do something crazy. But that's a lot of edges. I I asked that, too, because I think we really got to start getting into these draft props. I think the draft is is going to continue to grow in popularity in terms of betting. And so I've been asking, and I've asked a lot of people what they thought Jacksonville may do. And everything comes back to me that they want to take a defensive end. They think they'll take Hutchinson. Uh, 
I think they'll take the offensive tackle, but I think there's a lot of conversation that the defensive end might be the pick. I mean, because it's hard to find guys that can rush the passer. And maybe they think their offensive line can get repaired, you know, with some of the players they have in terms of where they are. And, like, and, and look. The, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's no, be hard think, for Jacksonville not to take Evan Neal after seeing what he looked like at the combine. My gosh, he is huge. Right. And, and Cam Robinson's a free agent. That's right. And so you've got th- their offensive line wasn't any good, and three of the guys in the offensive line are free agents: yep. AJ Can, you know, Ram- Robinson, and Norvell. So they've got three free agents there. So it would be hard for me to not see them. But look, I could see them because look, they don't really have a defensive end. They don't have another end. I mean, I know they drafted Kason, but Kason plays linebacker. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back road to the draft with the Giants and the Giants and Giants fans have questions at quarterback. What's fascinating, I want to ask you when we come back as a front office exec, talking yourself into the quarterbacks in the draft. That's another dubious place to be. Oh, that, that, that's yeah. it's, it's And then how about the Giants today? There's a report they're going to sign Trubisky. We'll come back and discuss. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Express Bet First Bet wants you to get in on all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000. Receive $10 instantly and up to a $1,000 bonus. For all the information here at v just go to v slash horses for details and use the bonus code Vegas1000. Got you back here on the Lombardi line. We were joking, and Michael Lombardi, that, I hadn't heard the Trubisky potentially to the Giants news. I would imagine you can take us in a front office. You ran a team. I would imagine teams, plural. I would imagine, you know, the quarterback position secures jobs. But talking yourself into these kids coming out of college must be a really yeah. dubious place to be. I mean, Willis and Pickett, fine players, but they, they aren't the guys that you would hope to be looking at as a front office exec being very blunt. 
Right. And I think the problem is, is we talk about first the guy, we should take the guy in the first round, but we never define what a first round pick is. We just say this guy's a first rounder. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean that he's a first rounder? If you take Kenny Pickett in the first round, what you're saying is when you turn that card in, you're saying he will be a starter. In the first, he will be a starter by his second year in the league, and he will be in the top ten players at his position. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you, you can't draft him there if you can't say that. Now, you can be wrong. We've all been wrong before. There's nothing with you know, you don't keep your jobs when you're wrong on quarterbacks. That's fact. But when you say that, you, you've got to be able to, to believe that. You just don't take him as, okay, well, at least if he doesn't work out, he'll be a good backup. No, no. You're counting on him to be a starter and in the top 10 players at his position. If he's not, it's going to be a bad pick, i.e. Trubisky. You know, Mike North, we have him on the show sometimes, and he loves Trubisky, you know, and he thinks Trubisky's going to be a hot commodity. He thinks Trubisky wasn't handled properly in Chicago. I disagree, but he's certainly entitled to his opinion. And, you know, there seems to be a rehab of Trubisky. Now, we know Joe Shine and, and, and Brian Dayball were there in Buffalo. They watched him every day in practice, which can be somewhat misleading when it comes to Trubisky because I bet Trubisky can look really good in a practice when he's looking at cards and he's throwing off a cards and he's not having to read what he has to do. So now what do you do if you're the Giants? you got Daniel Jones. He's on your cap for $8.3 million. You're probably $10 million over the cap going in. You've got some really bad contracts. I mean, you've got some really bad contracts. I mean, you're paying Adoree Jackson. He counts $15 million on your cap. The Giants secondary, the Giants' two starting corners count $36 million on their cap. Mm. $36 million. I mean, they, they weren't very good. I mean, and, and, and Adoree Jackson's not going to be a guy that Wink Martindale's going to – I mean, he's going to have to play man-to-man. These guys got to oh, play. He can't Bradbury's play gonna, he, he could play man-to-man. Yeah, but you, know, you mentioned so Dory Jackson's a nickel guy, right? He, he can't line him up by himself. Well, I think he's going to struggle. He's never he's had a hard time always staying healthy. I mean, that contract at ten million, you want to give him ten million? Mm-mm. The I Titans don't. didn't want to. No, but they couldn't. The, the thing that drove me crazy is the Giants took him. They could have had a better contract than the one they gave him if they would have sent a seventh if a Brown pick there. They would have just given him a seventh if they would have had a better contract. So. For me, I mean, you got Galladay. Your guy Galladay's on the roster. For, he's, on, he's due to make $13 million in base salary. He's got another $4.5 million. You're paying him seventeen point five. Would you contract. rather have Amari Cooper at twenty or Galladay at seventeen five? Cooper, it's not even close. It's not. I mean, I don't want Cooper at $20 million either. No, but given the, given the circumstance with, you know, that comparison, uh, Galladay never plays. Never plays. No. I mean, he's always something. So it's it's a horrendous cap situation that they got to navigate through, you know. And, and they don't have enough talented players on the team, you know. They, they don't they don't have a right tackle. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, is he going to be good enough? You know, they put a lot of money in their secondary. Even even Logan Ryan, who's their safety, he's making twelve point two million. Yeah, good character guy, but like you mentioned, that's a lot of money for Logan. I mean, Ryan. you're paying a ton of money. I mean, think about their highest paid players, Leonard Williams. Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Blake Martinez, Logan Ryan. I mean, Graham Gano. 
That's not. Those that's are our highest paid those players. Are, that's not. Uh, those aren't the names I'd like to hear as my highest paid players. If I'm a Giants fan, let me set you up on this. First year head coach Dayball Jones entering his fourth year of his rookie contract. The Giants 80 to one to win the Super Bowl. Good luck. So, I think that's light. Yeah, the 24 in cap space, and then here's the exciting part: in less than two months, Giants fans have something to look forward to because they got the fifth and seventh overall pick in the draft, which can help them there. Right, and I think you have to, if, if you're the Giants general manager, you have to parlay that into your thinking, right? You've got to make, that's part of your cap equation. You just don't get those draft picks in there and say, okay, you've got to make room for those draft picks. So they're 10 million right now going into the off season. You're 10 million over the cap. You've got to make some more changes. You've got to reduce some contracts, but you also have to create 17 or 18 more million to get your rookie contracts in there. Plus, you've got guys who are free agents. You've got, you know, they traded for Billy Price, the starting center. He's a free agent. They, they traded for they, Will, Will Hernandez, their second-round pick in 18. He's a free agent. Nate Solder's a free agent. Not that he played very well, but you've got these other guys that you've got to get in there. Lawrence Carter's the third-round pick in 18. He's a free agent. What are you going to do here? So you, you've got to budget that in. You can't be aggressive. If they signed a quarterback, uh, say they signed – uh, Trubisky as, as a comp competition, you know, obviously they're not going to sign Mike Lennon back, but th that's going to eat up a ton of cap room. Now you don't really have the ability to go out and get very many other guys. I'll tell you what, running an NFL team sounds like a pain in the butt. Well, if you don't draft good, it is, right? If you don't draft, if you don't draft well or you don't player develop well, if you don't have those things in perfect harmony, if you don't have that going for you, you're going to be falling short all the time. And that's really what gets you is you're going to make some bad picks, you're going to make some mistakes, but you got to pick it up. If you, you know, you blow a draft pick and you get a college free agent that makes your team, you now you've kind of balanced yourself out. But if you don't draft well, which the Giants haven't done, they put money in positions that really Saquon that don't translate into controlling the game or changing the game. I mean, there are, I mean, Dave Gettleman went there, I don't know how many years ago, he talked about he was going to rebuild the offensive line. The offensive line's a disaster. And, oh, by the way, we haven't even talked about Evan Ingram, who's going to be a free agent. I mean, Evan Ingram's out there as a tight end. Now, do I think Evan Ingram's a tight end? No, I think Evan Ingram's a big F. I think he's a guy who's going to be the motion guy. You can utilize him in some situations, get him the football. But at the end of the line, when they drafted him at the end of the line, I said There's, you can't play him there. They're going to, everybody's going to line him up as a nickel. He's not a tight end. He's a nickel tight end. He's, he's like you said, he's a wide receiver, but he doesn't have great hands. And so that's an issue as well with Ingram. That's a little – you know, the number one job of receivers is to catch the ball. Just <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Well, there was a – you remember a Lions tight end that couldn't catch the ball for years with the Lions, moved on to Indy and had a great year. So maybe Ingram is in the same ilk, I guess, is the way I'll put it. A um, cu couple quick notes as far as – did you see? So you mentioned Hutchinson. Most have him. He's the favorite to go one. Most have him going two just because we assume maybe right. Neal or uh, the other offensive lineman goes one to Jacksonville. Hutchinson yesterday, Michael, ran a 4.74. Uh, Thibodeau ran a 4.58. Jordan Davis was the story yesterday, the big defensive oh, yeah. tackle. He's 341 pounds. He, he ran a 4.78. 341 pounds. That's ridiculous athleticism. You know, we get so caught up in the ends, you know, and the ends are always about the ends are, are important. Don't get me wrong. But let me just say this. If you want to affect a quarterback more than anything, and I think we saw it in the Super Bowl with Aaron Donald, and you can get a big man that can push the pocket back and can run 
especially with all these, especially with all the movement quarterbacks. You know, the thing you always have to ask yourself when you're putting together your defensive front is, can we catch the quarterback? Can we chase him down? You know, you're playing Buffalo and you're New England and you've got Lawrence Guy on the field and, and you're trying to play the run and you've got other guys that don't run as well. You know, are we going to be able to get Josh Allen on the ground? That's a hard thing to answer. You know, and I think that what Davis did is clearly the case. And so, to me, I wouldn't preclude him from going. I mean, people, you don't need to take a defensive tackle. In today's game, to affect the quarterback, more importantly, you, you've got to be able to pressure that pocket. You've got to push that pocket inside. And you've got to run a tackle. And you get a big man who can run, it's hard to block him. Good place to start would be to ask the greatest of all time, what pressure bothers you, Tom Brady? He doesn't care about the edge. He cares about the guy coming right up the middle. Right. He doesn't care. He could care less. He wants to be protected inside out. And then when you do that for him, it's all it, it improves him. He, he likes that. But when you have when somebody's in his face and it doesn't matter whether it's Tom Brady or Mitchell Trubisky, if somebody's in front of you, it's hard to throw the football. So give me, we can talk about this more on Monday show as well. But just an overall philosophy of the combine, like, you know, the Jets. Salah didn't go, and what, what is your take in 45 seconds here, just philosophically on the combine as a front office exec? I think the combine's a, a, a pie. It, you know, one piece of the pie is the medical. One piece of the pie is the interviews, the character. Another piece of the pie is the workouts. You know, and I think those are all the things that have to come up with a cumulative grade of the combine. And you just can't separate, you know, the 40 time from everything else. It's all going to be kind of layered in and the character's got to be layered in. So you need to really do a good job. And then if you see a player there that you're not happy with, his 40, then you've got to go back and rework him out and see if you can get something. The tape has to match the time on the 40. That's what you're trying to get to. He plays at this speed. This is what he looks like. Well, speed for a 341-pound dude at sub 4.8 is pretty damn good for a guy on the interior defensive front. We come back with Mr. College Hoops, Thomas Gable, next here at Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's BP Hoops Madness. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year. 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for $19. Okay, college hoops betting guide, daily best bets. You get everything. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, on every key team, conference, and player to watch. From favorites to potential Cinderella, sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through Mar through April 5th. Wow, only $19. VSIN.com slash madness. It's VSIN. It's not going to last forever. VSIN.com slash madness. Lombardi line, Michael Lombardi, Jersey there. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. We're going to head out to Jersey right there on the coast, the Borgata. It's a wonderful hotel and casino. And the race and sports book director joins us now, our teammate, Thomas Gable. He hit the Des Moines special yesterday. We'll get to that in just a second as we say good morning to Thomas. Thomas, I'm guessing you got killed yesterday with that Duke outcome. Is that fair? Uh, the Duke game wasn't a, uh, a huge decision for us. I mean, we got killed overall in college basketball yesterday. Um, it just was <laughs> not a good college basketball day. And Do um, I know why? It, Do I know why you got killed, Thomas? Do I know why you got killed? I don't Probably not, Michael. It's believe it or not, probably not. But um, it's not that uh, area. Also, huh? UFC. 
No, no. UFC was also probably one of the worst resulting UFC cards for us too last night. So it was it was not a good day. But today's a new day. Yeah, you had a ton of favorites. I mean, all the favorites won yesterday in college hoops, right? I mean, is that essentially what it comes yeah. down to for you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was um, favorites. Uh, total people hitting uh, totals correctly, and it was just uh, you know. It was one of those days where the players just got the best of us. Just curious, where did you close Duke? Did you close them 10? Uh, I think 10 and a half. Okay. I'd have to go back wow. and look for sure. I believe 10 and a half. Fair enough. How about Arkansas, Tennessee? Where did you close that? I know that was moving towards. That was moving towards, um, I believe it was moving towards Tennessee. I'd have to go back and see where I closed that. Um, Five? Go back to yesterday here, but. It's somewhere around there. Let me. Yeah. Do, I believe it was five, Patrick. I'd have to go back and look from that okay. from yesterday. But yeah, I believe it was five. So we asked you yesterday about some of these bubble teams, and Michigan is squarely on the bubble, whether last four, first mm-hmm. four, whatever you want to say. They're at Ohio State today. A win would be huge for Michigan here. Um, what do you got on the number? And just give me your overall take on uh, where you are with Michigan. Yeah, I mean, th- we're actually seeing uh, the market move towards Michigan in this one. We. We opened this four and a half, um, Ohio State laying it, and it's now down to three and a half. And the total has also dropped uh, from the opener, opener 144 and a half, now down to 141 and a half. And, you know, Ohio State, they can end up anywhere from a four to six seed there in the Big Ten tournament, depending how things shake out today with the games. Uh, Michigan. You know, they have things to be more concerned about than their Big Ten seeding because, you know, as you said, they're squarely on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. And you asked me yesterday if Michigan is in, and I was leaning towards yes. Uh, and, but a win here obviously would rate as a quad one win, so very important for them today. Yeah. Now, this is Ohio State's fourth game in eight days. They had two rough losses there to Maryland and Nebraska. They were able to pick up a win on Thursday against Michigan State. And, you know, these two teams, they played back on February 12th in Michigan. Ohio State came away with a a 68-57 win in that. Um, I don't believe a loss here today will rule Michigan out from getting an at-large bid, but they'll probably need to win two games then in the Big Ten tournament to cement a spot. Yeah. Uh, Of course, you know, we know Michigan being coached here by Phil Martelli, who's 2-2 and since taking over there for Juwan Howard. And, uh, you know, in my mind, you don't really lose anything there in in terms of coaching when uh, you have Martelli stepping in. I think Martelli's uh, probably even a better um, uh, play designer than than Howard is, and uh, X is an O's guy. Uh, but remember, Ohio State, if they do get that four seed, that means a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. So you know, there certainly is something there to play for Ohio State in terms of um, the, the Big Ten tournament. Thomas, I mean, to me, this is two bad defensive teams in the Big Ten and two good offensive teams. And is that number a little light? I mean, Ohio State scored, what, 80 points against Michigan State? I know they lost to horrible loss to Nebraska. But in that game, that was a 148 game. We were at 141 in this one. Is that what I see, 141.5? Is that, is that number going towards the over or is it coming down? No, it's it's actually coming down, and I think you know. Again, I I make this number one forty four for the total, so but the market is saying you know, hey, that's a little too high. So it it, it is trending down. Um, uh, but Michael, I tend to agree with you that uh, you know, as you said, this is 
in my mind, two uh, better offensive teams that uh, are lacking on the defensive end. Uh, but, you know, the market is saying, hey, that 144 is a little bit too high. I, and I think it's probably because of the last game they played. It was, what, a 68-57 type of game. So maybe they think it's going to be. Yeah. I just didn't think That's teams, right. they didn't shoot well in that game. And typically, Ohio State and Michigan, I mean, they shoot pretty well. I mean, you know, Ohio State's the fourth best e-field goal percentage team in the in the, in the the conference. Michigan's three. You know, and defensively, they're they're – they're really bad. I mean, so yeah, you're a good point by you. Easier for the book to set the number second time around, right, Thomas? As far as the total, as Michael said, you take the first game, you get a you get a vibe for the style of play in the matchup. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not um, certainly just on that predicated on that one game. You at this point, we have an entire sample size of of. This entire season here for to go by for data to come up with yep. these totals and these numbers. So uh, again, I, I think that first game was certainly uh, a, more of an anomaly in terms of the total uh, that being so low, with only 125 points scored in that one. So it's uh, this one I, I think is certainly going to go above that. But again, maybe we set the total a little bit too high here to start. Okay, so you've got your Des Moines special is going to be in the Big South final today. One of those teams, Winthrop or Longwood's going to punch their ticket to the dance. But let's go Houston and Memphis. Memphis, another team yeah. squarely on the bubble. What do you got on that game, Thomas? Yeah, so <clears throat> this one currently, uh, Houston 15-2 and two in the American Athletic Conference, also the uh, AAC champions. And I've talked a lot about Houston and how high I am on them, so – Let's focus a little on Memphis here, who find themselves two-and-a-half-point home underdogs here today. Now, Memphis did beat Houston by 10 on February 12th. They won 69-59. That was the last time Houston lost a game. And Memphis is 9-1 and one in their last 10 games, playing extremely well at the moment. In that meeting against Houston, Memphis forced 18 turnovers. They got great pressure on the Cougars. And I really believe this could be a battle between defenses today. Points may come at a premium. Memphis is, as you said, another bubble team. Obviously, they're peaking at the right time because prior to this 9-1 and run, they were a distant long shot to make the NCAA tournament. They, they certainly have played themselves back into uh, contention to at least make the tournament. So I still think they need a win here and certainly a good showing in the conference tournament to make it. Uh, but you already know my thoughts on this uh, Houston team. I'm, I'm very, very high on this Houston team overall. This is going to be a good indication for Houston. I think as they bounce back in this game with their senior leadership class, I mean, they're really good offensively and defensively. You, you know, I, I think this is going to be a really good indicator of where they're going and how far they can go because this is a desperate team in Memphis, and we're going to see how they handle it. And I would suspect that Houston with Sampson has them ready to play today. Absolutely. Another winner yesterday, Des Moines Special, moves Thomas Gable to 12-8. and eight. Today, we're going to go to the Big South in a 1-2 matchup with Longwood and Winthrop. But you're focusing on the total, Thomas Gable. Yeah, so this is a Big South championship game uh, between these two programs. Uh, Winthrop laying 2.5. Uh, if you're interested in, in betting the side there, that's the, uh, the spread. The total is 140.5. So, Winthrop are the defending champs. They've won 10 straight. And this is a good team who they shoot the ball very well. They're led by the Big South player of the year there, DJ Burns, who he's just a load to handle down low. He's developed his passing game throughout the year uh, out of the low post, and it's 
been very beneficial with the outside shooters that Winthrop has. Longwood, they did beat Winthrop 92-88 in their meeting on January 29th. Uh, Longwood does shoot very well from three. They're led by their guard play, but they lack size underneath, and I think unless they can draw some fouls on Burns and get him into foul trouble, they're going to have a tough time handling him down low. But Longwood, they played a lot better than I thought they would this season. I give a lot of credit to their coach, uh, Griff Aldrich. Uh, we are looking at the over here of 140 and a half for Des Moines. Love it. You've been cashing the overs. Let's keep that streak I going, TG. Uh, but, oh, I forgot to ask you, although it was a bad day at the book, you probably went to bed with a smile on your face because Coach K lost, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I harbor no ill will towards Coach K. Yeah, you just don't like him. I get it. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think everybody was celebrating across the country, which is, which is a weird vibe <laughs> for Coach K and the loss at home in the regular season finale there. It, it, the court is named after him. It's a bad way to go out. Um, but I shouldn't say that, Michael, because he'll hold a grudge against me. That's for sure. Coach there K, can hold, he can hold There's on no to doubt. that. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Good morning, Racing Sportsbook Director Thomas Gable, Thank TG. You, TG. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Our buddy Will Hill next here in Lombardi Land. We think. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. All right, it is BetMGM, the king of sportsbook. Unleash the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM reward points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets, risk-free tokens. Planning If you're planning a trip to Vegas, by the way, you can also convert your BetMGM points into reward points that you can use towards dining, shows, hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts and properties located on the Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards, 
It's uh, points. It's essentially like a credit card. That your credit card, you get points, which is pretty cool. So again, visit betmgm.com or download the app. And if you have a problem, it's one eight hundred Gambler. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, we're going to be joined now by our buddy Will Hill. You can find the podcast, vcin.com slash podcast. It's the New York City cast. And we say good morning to Will. Will, how are we doing today? What's up, boys? I enjoyed that North Carolina victory yesterday. It was a real moral booster for uh, for everybody. What's going on? <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were an anti-Coach K guy, too. It's amazing. There's a lot of them out there. For all the popularity, a lot of anti-Coach K guys. You know what I think about? Remember Patrick? Uh, I think it was against Oregon. Dylan Brooks scored like in garbage time in a tournament game against <laughs> in the Duke. Shandshake line, he, <laughs> and he scolds him after the game, and then he denies it. But then audio picked up what really happened. I think that gives you a window into, uh, into yeah. who Coach K is. Yeah, I was saying yesterday, sat behind a Duke bench one time, and his language would make Tony Soprano blush. I mean, he is, he is, it's just to Will's point. I don't necessarily know if what you see, like the perception of him, you know, dapper, you know, kind of uh, the, the players love him. I don't know, Michael, if that's really what you get behind it, but. I've never met him. But so look, I, I, I think ultimately, you know, he's an ultimate competitor and there's a lot of coach Knight th- through his upbringing. And I think when you read the right Thompson story, you kind of find a lot. He knows he has some anger issues. I think there's no denying that <laughs> he's done a better job of controlling it than perhaps coach Knight. He hasn't thrown a chair, but that doesn't mean he uh, he doesn't have the same issues. So I, I think, you know, look, he's trying to get the players to play their best and he's trying to make sure that they do it. You know, and and to each his own. But I agree with you, Patrick. I think there's a public perception of Coach mm-hmm. K, and then there's the reality of Coach K. I think and so. I'm not sure that those two always connect. Well, did you agree? Michael and I both thought awkward would be a good way to describe what happened after the game. Would you agree that was a tad awkward? Well, how about him hiring a bus company to just basically run over his players? I mean, he threw his players right under the bus after the game, saying that wasn't acceptable. <laughs> we played terribly. It was so awkward. It was unbelievably awkward. I mean, he gave up 94 points, then you throw him under the bus right after the game. Yeah, the whole thing was very awkward. Yeah, bro, you're 75. It's Cheer up. Good it's not a good day on the sixth floor at the Duke Tower today. I can tell you that. Well, nobody's allowed in. The, nobody's allowed no, in the well, tower. Nobody can get up there, yeah. I mean, it's not a good day on the sixth floor of the Duke Tower. I can promise you that. That's not going to go over really well. I would agree. Okay, Will's got NBA plays, but you got two Uh-oh. in college hoops. Before we get to that really quickly, I know you like Memphis today at home uh, with Houston in town. You're going to get three, actually down to two and a half here, Will. What do you got on Memphis? Yeah, I like Memphis. I think they're legit. I think the one thing with Houston, you got to be able to survive and rebound. I mean, Houston can kill you with second chance points. I think Memphis athletically can hang. Uh, big game for them to punch their ticket. I like Memphis here. You like Memphis? Have you seen a remarkable difference in how they played the last ten games? I mean, no, they're nine and one over the last ten. Have you seen it with the tape? Have you? I mean, from watching them, have you seen them their improvement? Yeah, I think you mentioned it's like two, three weeks ago. The season really turned around, you know, they used some different lineups and, and they've been a different team. I, Penny Hardaway, speaking of awkward press conference, remember he had that uh, oh, press yeah. conference like yeah. three weeks ago saying, you know, you can't ask me if I'm embarrassed or something strange like that. But since then, they've actually played pretty well. They got a lot of talent. He's done a good job recruiting. So uh, I do expect them to play pretty well today. Okay, next one. Loyola, Chicago, Drake, Missouri Valley. You're going to go under the post. So I got 130 and a half here, Will. 
Yeah, that's dropped. I think it opened 132 this morning. So there's uh, there's steam. There's Lombardi's favorite word. Mitch Moss did a great job with these Missouri Valley unders. They've been killing it the last, I don't know, five, six years. It's like 29 and two, 30 and three, something like that. Uh, I'll go under here. This is, I believe, a championship game. So you're going to get, you know, slower pace, tighter game, better defense. Uh, For whatever reason, that gym's just really hard to shoot in. So I'll go with the under here. Those games have been bad, by the way. Usually that tournament is a lot of fun. Those games have been pretty boring this year. Absolutely. I agree with the under you, there. Go ahead, Michael. You know, speaking of the way they call games, I did ask, I asked every basketball coach I came in contact over the weekend. I said, do they not call three seconds any longer in, in, in college basketball? And every one of them to a man was complaining about it. Every one of them, like they keep asking and the officials are, well, you, the ball was in the air. So it, it's amazing how they let these guys get away with living in the lane. <laughs> <laughs> it that is. and charges. The uh, re- college refs are obsessed with charges. These guys just st- you know sneak in, they wait to get run over, and they get rewarded with the charge. It drives you nuts. I think officials just like making the charge call because it's do. the fun yeah, one. They, they like to turn it around. Yeah, they used to do that behind the head, and they would they would shuffle down the court. Yeah, yeah. off the, the theatrical. I know, like Fred Astaire. Yeah. Uh, next up. Uh, net. So you're going to have uh, Durant and Irving together, which is fascinating. Yeah. And you're catching four and a half in Boston today, Will. <laughs> Yeah, you forget these guys were on the same team. They never play at the same time, but uh, I'll take the Nets here. Just more shooting. You, you suddenly got a lot of shooting on the court with Durant back. Celtics, that's their one kind of weakness is not a lot of shooting. Remember, the Celtics have buried them twice right before the All-Star break, so a uh, little revenge a- aspect here for the Nets, and Nets need to start winning. I think, you know, the plane kind of gets lumped in all together. There's a big difference between 7-8 and eight and 9-10. Nine and 9-10, and ten, you're in some trouble. 9-10, and ten, you're going to have to win two games just to get in the playoffs, and you got to win both of them. 7-8, uh, or eight, you get two chances to win one game. So that's what the Nets are playing for here. There, there's some motivation. Uh, they're not going to get out of the plane. They are going to be a playing team. I think that's almost a guarantee yeah. at this point, barring a crazy run. But you're better, much better off being in the 7-8 spot, and they're going to have to start winning some games in order to be in that 7-8 spot. Yep, totally agree. I like this one's interesting, a little contrarian. You, get, you like the Suns. They're catching. You can find a nine, of course, no Booker and no Paul today in the rematch of the finals there at the box. Yeah, I was looking at Milwaukee, but then the line opened. I was like, wow, it was nine and a half this morning. That's a lot of points. Uh, this Milwaukee team, they've kind of just, you know, slept walk through this season a little bit. They turn it on. They turn it off. The defensive intensity has not been the same. You know, they're 20th in defense since I think like January 1st. Uh, just having competed with the same effort. I think that that happens once you, know, you win a championship, the regular season becomes a little bit boring to you. And remember Middleton holiday, they not, not only won a championship, their season ended July, late July, but they went on a plane and went right to the Olympics. So there's definitely been a little fatigue, a little hangover. So I uh, just, a lot of points. This is still a pretty good Nets team with, uh, I'm sorry, a pretty good Suns team with Aiton with, uh, with bridges. So I'm going to take the nine here. That's a lot of points. I agree. I mean, especially the way Milwaukee has been playing defensively. And, and Aiton played well the last time they played him. And there's really – who's going to keep him from being a dominant player in the – I mean, Portis isn't going to be able to handle him inside. So, I kind of – I mean, that's a lot of points. I'm with you, Will. Yeah, and we mentioned Brooke Lopez should get with those five-on-five drills soon. They're going to need that size, that being the Bucks. Okay, last one, Will Hill, Raptors at the Cavs. You like the Raptors, and you're catching four, four-and-a-half at Cleveland. It's another one where the lines moved here. Cleveland's been a great story this year, uh, but they have come crashing down to earth. They've lost six out of seven. And this is really a unique Raptors team. Nurse does a hell of a job with the Raptors. He just, you know, he knows how to coach. And Toronto just throws a lot of athletes out, out there. You know, they don't play a traditional big. Everyone's between 6'6", six, 6'9". Six, six, 
Uh, it's funny. You, you look at them and you think they're a great defensive team. Their, their defensive numbers are not as great as, you know, they kind of look on, on the court. But uh, I'm going to take the Raptors here, just a more athletic team. You're getting four against the Cavs team that, like I said, has really come crashing back down to earth. They have not played well recently. Blew a big lead against the Sixers Friday, too. They've, uh, they've just played poorly for a while now. You know, they've been really good off defensively, Will, and it was surprising how Philly came back on them in that game. You know, they've given up their fourth in the league in points per possession and their fourth in e-field goal, the Cleveland's defense. But, you know, Toronto, they're a funny team. You can't, you know, when you look at them and you say, you know, what, what do they do well? What, you know, they just kind of – Nurse is such a good coach. They, they kind of keep going and they keep playing. And this Scotty Barnes kid now, he's been – we don't talk much about him, but he is, he's been outstanding as a rookie from the Florida State. He's been really good. Yes, he went surprisingly high to some. Yeah. And, it's a, Will, he's an all-around player. He's very good. What was it? They took him ahead of Suggs, right? Because it was. They kind did of, take that him ahead of Suggs, and there pick. was it was it was internet blew up there. Twitter blew yeah, up when that the happened. NBA draft. It was chalk, 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 and then out of nowhere, Barnes, which I think he was like plus four hundred, plus five hundred to be, you know, that pick, something crazy, and it looked like a great pick. I mean, like you said, Lombardi, we don't we don't talk about him a lot, probably a little bit because he plays in Toronto, a little off the radar. Yeah. hell of a player. He's gonna be like I think an all star, probably a multi time all star. You know, there's there's a difference between betting value and entertainment value, and I was struck this. This morning when I saw, oh, great, a finals rematch. Oh, that's right. Booker and Paul are both yeah. out. Like, there's yeah. – if you're just an NBA fan and not betting, first off, who are you? But secondly, like, <laughs> you can't enjoy that. It's, it's not a representative yeah. of the two teams. Yeah, and this poor no. schedule maker, I mean, no. it looks good on paper. I got the rematch, you know, on a Saturday in February uh, – March, you mm -hmm. know, a Sunday in March. Everybody's going to be home, get you know, and then we, nobody's going to watch. Last word from you, Will. Go ahead. We'll be watching college today anyway. Uh, we got a hell of a game last night. Lakers-Warriors. Lakers actually won a game for the first time in about two months. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was a hell of a game. Only eight more straight, eight straight wins, and they could be 500, which yes. is impressive We're for this Lakers squad. Uh, New York City cast, Will Hill. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Will. Right, see you guys. Michael, uh, tomorrow, Monday, enjoy the basketball today. And I will. We'll have a good show tomorrow. I'm looking Thank forward you. to it. Can't okay. wait, Patrick. Thank you. James Salinas and Femi next here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.